Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. I'm Jesper Dion. I'm Henry Laksan. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you're listening to the Games of Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. It's over. The Australian Open finally ended yesterday for us in the UK and Novak Djokovic yes he did it 22 grand slams 10 Australian opens he's level with Rafa at the top of the tree I couldn't be happier uh, and he did it in three just to have a little rhyme there uh, I'm so excited that he did it in such easy fashion I would have preferred maybe a slightly more competitive one, but I was very nervous, as you know, in that final and hoping he'd win. But I don't know. I, I think he just, the whole tournament, he was just so, so good. Should we have expected anything different than a straight sets Djokovic win in that final? Yeah. I mean, my reaction to the whole thing is I'm just, I'm actually outstanding. I'm just astounded by how good he is. Um, Djokovic showed another level completely. He had all of the concerns about his injury coming into the event. We've seen quotes since from Ivan Isovic after uh, after the tournament talking about how severe his injury was. He battled for it all and he played some brilliant tennis. I mean, he was hitting the ball harder than everyone. He had every shot in the book better than anyone else. His serving was great. His backhand defence was incredible and mentally stronger and more resilient than any other player on the tour. And I think the biggest factor, which I've not just mentioned, is the fact that he wanted to to put some revenge in to Australia. He definitely wanted to yeah. say, you didn't let me play here last year. Watch, I'm going to come here and win the whole thing. You felt that sort of vendetta against the whole situation. He had a point to prove this year down under and I don't think anyone could have stopped him. I know he didn't get the chance to play a Daniel Medvedev or a Carlos Sandkaraz or Rafael Nadal, but of course he wasn't playing great. But I think he would have beaten all of these. It didn't matter who you put in front of him, he was going to win this Australian Open. It was written in the stars. And the support he got was outstanding. They had a record attendance for the final. There was There's never been so many fans outside Rod Laver Arena with the Serbian flags. We had Noel Fam out there as well. And there's just packed like everyone was so emotional for his victory himself included and I want to go there next because 
I've never seen Djokovic break down like he did after he won. He fell to he fell to the floor and was just sobbing. Yeah. I don't know if you've got a tweet for it, but it was just very, very yeah, emotional. Right. He fell down sobbing and it's a weird place to start, but I think it's a good place to start because it just goes to show someone who's won now 22 Grand Slams, look what it does to him. I mean, this is like a, an image you see if someone's had a, a medical failure or something's not well with him, but he generally yeah. just lost his mind and was so overcome with the emotions of it all that he couldn't stand up anymore. And he was there sobbing. And he put everything into this tournament. He said if it was any other event, if it wasn't a Grand Slam, he wouldn't have even entered with the injury he had coming yeah. in. And you can see how much it meant to him going through. And I know a lot of people are going to be saying, oh, I'm a Rafa fan. Why are you even saying all these things about, about Nole? But the thing is, he really did touch me, not during the tournament, after the tournament. And there was a few quotes he said, especially on court. The on court... Um, interview with him with the trophy and he was talking about Steph some of the things are talking about his roots and where he's come from coming from a small a small town in, in Serbia uh, with Sissipas coming from Greece they had no idols they, they didn't have any players to look up to from their home countries and what they've been able to do is amazing on the tennis stage and I think what that does show is any kids anyone coming involved in tennis who maybe are coming from very unfortunate backgrounds without the financial backing all the courts, all the support from parents, you can make something of yourself because look what these yeah. two have been able to achieve. Exactly right. Coming from literally nothing. Uh, that's just one of the things that Djokovic says. And obviously uh, he has very strong feelings about war and stuff like that. He said he's like obviously grown up in a country that has had to deal with this type of thing. So he's had very, very hard upbringing, Novak Djokovic. And he doesn't forget his roots. He always remembers like uh, where he comes from. He knows all, all of the Serbian people that come to support him. He's very, very uh, in touch with all of them, all of his fan base and everybody. And I think when you saw him celebrating after that one, when he finally uh, climbed up and then got to that box, and then you saw there was just like a sort of an emotional roller coaster that went from like one stage to the next. He went... First off, he just looked at them and he just went, rah, rah, like they were just letting out what seemed to be like a year's worth of just joy, screaming, anger, everything was just pouring out. Then he had his family and all of his uh, loved ones around him there. And he didn't have his dad there, which probably really upset him as well. And that would have, it's one of his, if not his biggest moment in his career. And his dad wasn't there. Yep. And they came to the decision together, apparently. Uh, obviously uh, behind the scenes that he wouldn't come to the semi or the final, which is what a big decision for his dad to make. I mean, if you're going to applaud Serjan for anything to do that for his son and miss the biggest moment potentially of his career at the moment. I mean, amazing. And that's probably why like that whole thing, you saw his mom like hugging him for a long, long time. It was like a very, very heartfelt moment. And it's hard to, to not feel like some compassion, even if you don't like Djokovic and you're not a Djokovic fan, you see somebody go who's been through a lot and you know what he went through last year. And even if you think, oh, he should have had the vaccine, blah, 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 all of that stuff. He went into Australia with the knowledge that he could to, he could play. That's why he went there. And then he got sent away again. And that wasn't he wouldn't have gone otherwise. And he got made an example of pretty much embarrassed in front of the whole world 
and then he has to come back with and sort of prove a point really and it's been a long time waiting for it that's the thing and now he finally got to unleash what looked like a year's worth of pain i felt after that yeah i think um even if you aren't a Djokovic fan so from talking from my own perspective i'm a big rafael nadal fan but watching what he was able to do in australia in terms of level of tennis you can't get much higher i think the ceiling was very high Stefano Sissipas did not come into the final and bottle it. I think Steph played his game. He looked quite composed and he has turned the corner mentally. And he showed, he showed that this whole tournament with the amount of break points he was able to save. He looks a different player. The backhand didn't let him down. The nope. forehand was a bit wobbly, to be honest, in the final. But still, overall, the package of Stefano Sissipas wasn't that bad. Djokovic, on a tennis level, was sublime. He was yeah. so, so good. So... Even if you're not a fan of him, you've got to respect how well he played. And then the second element of it is what he said to the media afterwards. I found it very engaging, very interesting, and you can't really pick it apart at all. I've just enjoyed what he had to say. I thought it was very uh, motivating in Definitely. any walks of life. Me and you, we're never going to play tennis. We're never going to be professional tennis players. I'm sorry to break it to you on the podcast right now, but you're never going to make it pro with tennis. <laughs> However, you can apply some of the things Djokovic said to everyday life. And that is, if you have a dream, keep going and striving towards it. Work hard every day and something can happen. You can achieve it. And I think that is so important to do that. And I loved all of the things he was saying about Stefano Sissipas. He was very kind towards him. And he had time for everyone. He had time for Spanish journalists, for English journalists, for journalists all over the world, he had time and he gave them very well thought out, concise answers and responses to their questions. We know he can speak multiple languages. I just found the whole thing very touching. And I think for some for someone like me, I was able to see a little bit of a different side of Djokovic this event. And maybe it's always been there. I'm not saying it's not, but it definitely taught me a lot about him as a man. And I have a lot more respect than I ever have had for him. I've always respected him as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But now I think I respect him on another level altogether. Well, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I sort of touched on earlier, and that sort of follows on nicely from it, just saying how much time he has for for everybody. And he's he gives a, a lot back to people, especially people who are devoted fans of his, like obviously Julie. She's a, a big fan of his. He went even played tennis with her not so long ago, had like a knock-up session with her. And you see, after the tournament finishes, he's quick to go and find Nole Fam and go and have film film with them, hug with them. And what other big names in sport go and do that? I mean, we've got the thing here, Julie saying, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh Djokovic at the end of his photo shoot he came to meet Nole fam I took and took my phone to make a video honestly he's the best of the best and you can see there look at that just loving it with all of his loyal loyal fans and they are loyal fans and you can't say anything more than that can you they go no. everywhere above and beyond to support him through thick and thin they'll have his back and he gives back to people like that and you you've got to have I don't know. You've got to just have some compassion for somebody who's like that because that's somebody who knows where they came from. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I can say much more. I know we've got a lot of people in the live chat. Gary in. 
big Djokovic fans and awesome words coming from you. You may bring some federal fans around to stop the hate and accept the greatness of the man and the player. I think um, you can differentiate the two because with everyone. In a sports star, you've got the man and the player. And I feel like I've fallen a bit more in love with the man. The tennis player I've always respected and loved, but I definitely have a newfound love slash respect for the man. Yeah, I think it's impossible not to. Like when, whether you think that he was, I don't know, should have played or shouldn't have played last year, you have to, everybody was in agreement, I think, of the treatment of him was terrible. And that was the the general consensus I got across the board is, but it doesn't matter his status on vaccination or his stance, his treatment was wrong. And that was the key thing last year. And that should be the thing that everyone takes away from it. He was just sort of following orders and he got caught in the in the like crossfire really of just everybody else messing everything up for him. So he's back. He won it. Um Rafa did well to win it last year when he wasn't there because that was a mammoth effort and dramatic in its own right as well. So yeah. he had two dramatic Australian Opens for different reasons. And I can't wait for next year's one now to see what else happens. Maybe we'll have Alcalaz actually fully fit and playing and we'll get to see some different dramas next year. Who knows? So... I, th- I can't think about next year. I think we're in for a big <laughs> 2023. We've just started. We're still in January, remember, Ben? Yeah, and we've yeah. got three more slams to play. The next one being Roland Garros, Ooh. where Rafael Nadal hopefully will be playing. Oh, this man, Novak Djokovic, should be playing. And we could be getting a battle in 2023 for Rafa versus Nole for the 23rd Grand Slam. And listen, as much as I'm saying all these great things about Nole, I will not be supporting him against Rafa Nadal. And here we go, right on cue, lovely graphic. This is the slam race as it stands. So Roger Federer, 20. Um, We've obviously got Rafa there, 22. Serena, we can't really look at Steffi Graf and Serena Williams. They're obviously female tennis players. But the big three being Rafa, Djokovic and Federer. Federer has been left in the dirt now on 20 and they're both tied up with 22 apiece. And if either Rafa or Djokovic can get one more, so maybe at the next slam in Roland Garros, they would then level with Serena Williams. Big, big. Uh, will they? Will even? Well, will either of them go on to surpass Serena? It's such a big total that one. Um, I think it's still possible though. They've still got life in the old dogs yet, and they're not going anywhere. If Djokovic is saying he might want to play doubles with Stefan <laughs> at all when, when uh, he gets old enough. I don't know if that's a joke or not. Well, but... it's definitely a joke, Ben. I don't think he's going to be playing at 50 years old. Maybe just as an exhibition. Who knows? Or maybe just in the as doubles. an exhibition, yeah, but not on a professional. It's not going to be on the ATV tour. Maybe not. Maybe Regardless right. of that, though, Djokovic definitely seems to have a little bit more longevity than Rafa Nadal. The way it... things are going at the moment. It's hard to not it's hard to argue against that yeah i mean injury wise much more severe on the rafa side of injuries and each time he gets one he's out for months it seems Djokovic somehow managed to just play through it and then it just sort of recovered as he was going which was good we've got edgar and saying where's roswell or court well court that's well this is just open era open era so open era can't really count them too much but let's move on to the next tweet Thought this yeah. was a nice graphic from the Australian Open. Should we go to the uh, the first one? Number ten in Australia and still going strong. It's a nice uh, nice look and 
That's his record there. Yeah, so this is his record. 89 victories, 8 losses. Not bad, is it? I don't know what more to say. I mean, there's a lot of stats that are going to just blow you away with Novak Djokovic. He is slowly approaching the top of all of them. Yeah. And if you are really into the GOAT debate, I'm sure a lot of you are. What? And Ben loves the GOAT debate. He's a big oh. fan of it. I just like respecting them all as great players. Um, <laughs> especially at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the first time I've heard that. What's going on? Maybe after on Garros, I'll have a different view. But right now, they're all great players. <laughs> You've all got your favourites. But no, these stats are sublime. And Weeks at now number one, extending that. Trying to win slams in 10, 10 or more slams in multiple slams. He's doing that. He's got yeah. Wimbledon where he's two away from getting to 10. Like every stat he's just closing in on. Wins against top 10 players. He's he's exceeding in that now after another win against Stefano Sissipas. Yeah. Another straight set in a Grand Slam final. He's extended in that. He's just doing some crazy things. And if he continues like this, then he will be the man who has 80% of all the stats. He'll be the number one of all of them. Did I read a statistic? Uh, I can't, I'm not sure who it was. Was it Gil Gross maybe posted it saying... This could have been his first slam with that win without dropping a set, but then he did drop one to a Enzo Quaco in the second yep. round, the 191 in the world. <laughs> well, that's what Federer and Nadal both have that over him. They've both won slam titles without losing the set. Djokovic never done it. Close, very close. I bet he's thinking, oh, you damn leg. <laughs> he was, I don't know. Quaco actually played really well in that second set. He actually took the game to him. And actually, it was entertaining. I thought uh, that match probably more entertaining than the sem than the uh, semi final, quarter final, and the fourth oh, round. Definitely, Alex Dimonor. Yeah, yeah, I know. So we got the Joker. Oh no, here we go. I've had it in my head all day long, as I'm sure most of you have heard the song by now. If not, we'll give you a little uh, teaser at the end just to uh, wet your whistle. But this I might even saying... give you all a teaser now because it's quite fitting. So this is, I think, Tennis TV, is it? They posted this? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Tennis TV, and it's the Joker's back on top. It's quite a cool little retro sort of magazine with the Joker, him laughing. <laughs> Maybe they've been watching Game to Love. You don't know. Yeah. And it says, look out, Tennis, the Joker's back on top. Oh, I like that. Joker's back on top. Why I thought it was on... a really cool graphic. Maybe you can steal it for a thumbnail. Yeah. Why then get in he's, trouble? He's the Joker holding an ace. There were plenty of aces in the tournament for uh, Djokovic, as we know. One of the best serves in the whole entire tournament. Seems that that serve just got him out of trouble, like time and time again in this tournament. Even like break points didn't even seem like break points when Djokovic is serving. It's a bit nuts. But um, oh, here we go. Yeah, I thought I'd share it now. So. If you haven't already, please support the channel <laughs> and go listen to our GTL exclusive special Novak Djokovic song celebrating 22. And I'm even going to give you a little listen live on the pod. So is this full screen, Ben? Yeah. So let, let me goes. know if you can hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> Here he is. Doing Joker things. Maybe I'll sing it live. Oh, 
going to just stop it there. <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> I love the beat. It's got such a catchy beat. It's just the same as for Novak Djokovic. You could have done this for Rafa, no? One like this? Well, Rafa had an incredible one for the Australian Open last year. As we remember, for 21, the first guy to reach 21 Grand Slam titles. And that one was an epic one. Maybe it's just Australia that brings it out of me. Big thanks to Dylan as well. He was involved. Uh, the The crazy thing about this, uh, the whole thing was, um, I actually started making the song about three or four days before the tournament finished. So it was a, it was a risk, a calculated yeah. risk, but to get it out on the day of the final, as soon as it had finished. So the, during the final, as you could see, I was just, I wanted a good match, but I would have happy for him to get it done in straight sets, even more so than normal. So uh, well done to uh, Dylan. Great production. Um, I was obviously there. He, he, he was involved with the beat and the mixing. Uh, I'm just here, just writing the lyrics and giving you the vocals. Yeah, shout out to Dylan, of course. Shout out to yourself as well. I think the song's epic. We're getting some great comments in the live chat as well, and everyone's enjoying it. Big question coming in, though, from Who Her, saying, Ben, we'll need to make a 23 song for either Rafa or Novak at Roland Garros. If either one of them win, will there be a 23 song? Oh, most definitely there'll be a 23 song coming. Ooh. It's going to be the first person ever on the men's side to get to 23. So you're going to have to have, that's going to be massive. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Maybe Let's it'll be number on. one. Maybe, uh, or maybe it'll be a number two. I don't know. Who knows? It would be good if some sort of Djokovic found this uh, song and shared it. We can only hope that that'll only happen if everybody out there who has been listening to it on repeat and is enjoying it, just share it on Twitter Try and tag him in it as much as you can. And I'm just going to keep on trying to tag him on Instagram and Twitter and just hoping that one of Nole fam just passes it along to Djokovic. And eventually he did. He got to see Settling the Goat debate, as we know, and his and his wife saw that one. So fingers crossed that he'll get this one as well. Yes, yeah, it's a great song. Check it out on the channel if you want to listen to it in full. But let's move on through the tweets. This is the Joker one. We've got Pavy G, of course. We had him on the podcast. <laughs> Don't agree with everything he says, uh, but he does. He's a, definitely a big Djokovic fan. You can't deny that. And he just wrote some stats here. So 10th Australian Open, 22nd Grand Slam, 41st consecutive win in Australia. It's important to remember that. He's on a bit of a tear down under. Yeah. 28 consecutive wins in the Australian Open. 37 wins from his last 38 competitive matches. Simply sensational. And he's calling him the GOAT. And of course, he is now the number one in the world. Yes. We've got uh, maybe a graphic for that as well. So is that the oh, next the, one? I think it was the that was the last one, wasn't it? The, okay. the, 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 he's back on top. No, but we've got one with like the whole the list of the, the rankings, the new rankings. Ah, apologies. That's all good. Doesn't matter if you don't have it. Let's move on to the next one. So this is from, who is it? This is Goran Ivanisevic. Okay. So if you go down to the quote, it is here. So 97% of players would go straight to the referee office and pull out of the tournament, not, but not him. He's from out of space. So this has been the big headline, which has been going round all of Twitter. Everyone's talking about it right now. And that is that Djokovic entered this event injured. We knew that. But apparently it was very severe. And the MRR scans uh, showed, I'm not exactly sure what the exact injury was, but most players would have pulled out. 
Djokovic even said if it wasn't a Grand Slam, he wouldn't have played. But yet he still played at the level we saw and won the whole thing. What does that say about him? He keeps on pointing to this during matches. And I think it is a bit mind over matter. We've seen young tennis players not have this same ability to be able to use their mind to overcome their body pain on court. We've seen the big players do it time and time again. Leave Raducanu alone, Ben. Continuously digging her out on this podcast, and I've had enough of it. Not just her. I mean, probably Yannick Sinner probably be another one. Oh, he's naming them all. (laughs) This is what I mean, but the, the, the young players, the only one I'd say maybe made of slightly sterner stuff, even though he's injured at the moment, I don't think he would pull out of a match, which is Carlos Alcalaz. I think that he looks like he might be made of that same cloth where he will push his body despite injury in matches. He won't just pull out because of a blister. He won't just pull out because of something wrong with his leg. He'll probably just try and crawl to the net to get the ball or something like that. You don't get players like that so much anymore. I would like to see more of that from the current crop of players. Maybe that's what's happening and people are saying... Oh, it's hard to get behind the the latest batch of uh, next gen players because when you're used to seeing players like your Djokovic's, like your Nadal's, Federer's, even Andy Murray, he's in a prime example as well. Look what he did at the Australian Open. If he can play like that, eleven hours over two matches with a metal hip, and come back after ridiculous injury then these young players got no excuse. He should be an inspiration for anybody who's thinking about giving up in any type of match ever, I think, Andy Murray. Well done to Andy. I thought he had a great tournament. We shouldn't leave his name out. Djokovic had a lot to say about him as well. I think that was really nice for him to give Murray some plaudits for his struggles and his comeback because... What I thought it was amazing beating Berrettini. No, I don't think anybody saw that. What did you say? He's going to win six games. Oh, I've got to hold my hands <laughs> up for that. I mean, fair play, Andy Murray. He's certainly going to leave this tournament with his head held high. There's a few of the older players didn't do too bad. Djokovic, of course, included. Azarenka on the women's. I think well, no, we're not talking about the women's, but she's another one who's been here a few few years. Yeah, and who really impressed me. So a lot of these experienced heads have been amazing in Australia. But with Djokovic, it's got Milan here, and I don't think tennis will ever see someone as mentally strong as Nole. It's hard to d- dispute it. He is just another another level when it comes to his mind. Yeah, and he can go through pain barriers. He can just keep working and. He's just—he's desperate to win. He's not hiding the fact that he's desperate to win. In all of the interviews, he's the one player out of the, on the top three, the big three, who always says that he is motivated by titles. He wants to win all the titles. He wants to have all the records. He openly comes out and says that because that's exactly what he is. And because of that, he pushes himself to the limit and beyond. And that's why yeah. he was able to play through this injury and get to the level he was and win in such ridiculous fashion. I mean, he just he beat Sissipas in straight sets in the final. And Sissipas has been playing very well. Very. He made him he made him look average and I don't think Steph played that bad. I don't think he played badly at all. I thought Steph actually played quite well in the final and he broke Djokovic, remember at the beginning of that uh third set and you thought, "Oh, maybe the tide will change a little bit here." But to put it into perspective, Djokovic never has lost an Australian Open final. So it was already he, the writing was a bit on the wall that he was going to be up against it anyway. And when he played Daniel Medvedev in the final, 
it was even more comfortable. It was seven five six two six two when he played Rafa in the final in what was it two thousand and nineteen six three six two six three. The only person who in recent years who's done well against him was Dominic Team. Yeah, um, just where's this one about Murray? So Mark and Sam Murray was a massive inspiration. Incredible what he did the first two rounds. We got a super chat in from Vanch. How are we doing, Vanch? Long time Cheers, no Vance. see. And he's saying, I appreciate Murray, but it's really is it really a success if he can't get past second rounds of a slam anymore? It won't get better than this, I think. He's been through a lot, Vanch. He's not the same Andy Murray. We don't really think he can go on and win a grand slam now, but still for him to beat someone like Matteo Berrettini, of course, that's a massive success for him in a Grand Slam, considering what he's been through and he's got a metal hip. So I'm his biggest critic, but I'm not criticising him here. He can leave with his head held high. I think he was awesome. We've got Inter, Itiri, Tennis, and JG, my friend, how do you feel about your bold prediction on Djokovic not winning any majors this year? (laughs) I I think it's good to address it now. I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I thought that we would see some younger players step in and win some slams this year. I went for a very bold prediction and I got it wrong. I can't say any more than that. Well done to everyone who called me out and said I was wrong because you're right and I'm wrong. What do you want me to do? Stand there with a stick and all beat me with it? Okay, well, that is the next episode. We are going to be uh, auctioning some tickets for the JG stick beating. Um, (laughs) No, to cushion the blow... This one might uh, make you laugh. Um, Anisimova just pulled out of the next tournament as well. That's great news from for me and my <laughs> predictions for 2020. Just, is she even going to play this year? Maybe she's the next Osaka. I don't know. But everyone could have a laugh at me as well. I've done some... Well, I went a bit out there, but you've got to go big. Otherwise, no one will even remember. So uh, yeah. I, we had a super chat, I think, came in at the start that I think we went past. But cheers, yeah. D-Legend. Yeah, let's read it out. So nice to see Ben is becoming a hardcore Joker fan. Someone needed to check the Dow fanboy JG. <laughs> Cheers for the super chat, D legend. Yeah. Have you been checking in on me? Was I crying? That's yeah. what everyone wants to know. All the comments I've seen, JG crying tears um, on the YouTube. So Ben, let, let them know behind the scenes. Have I been sobbing? Have I been really upset that Djokovic has won? You were until you saw his post-match interview, I think, and then you grew admiration for him. I think that it went from tears of uh, sadness for Protect 22 to tears of some sort of emotion for Djokovic and his struggle. And I think maybe the crossover in the tears has made you like warm to Djokovic a little bit more now. And then you got a little bit I confused. like what he had to say. I really yeah. like what he had to say after the match. I thought it was very heartwarming and motivational and yeah i was trying to protect 22 i want to protect 22 for rafa i can't protect it anymore so now i'm not trying to protect 23 i'm going for 23 with rafa it's a good idea well gary said i'm flying into london for the jg stick beat (laughs) get your tickets now (laughs) that's it join the patreon (laughs) if you join the top tier you get the biggest stick um but yeah we won't be entertaining any of that type of uh, actual uh, physical harm. Right. Onto the the next. ghost is sticking up for me saying at least JG admitted he was wrong. That already makes him more honorable than the majority of the mainstream tennis press. Hell yeah, there it does. Go. Hold your hands put up. Put hands up. Look, they're up. They're high. Look, look how high I can put them. Stick them up. <laughs> so high. <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. Right. Well, you were talking about the press conference from Novak Djokovic afterwards. Let's quickly talk about the press afterwards for Stefano Tsitsipas because obviously it wasn't the press conference it was more the post-match interview on court I'm on court to. yeah I know it's hard to differentiate yeah. I get my words I think that, that's word. what you mean but just to clarify yeah. for, for people listening I'd sometimes call it the off-court interview and then get it all muddled up but no it's on court <laughs> after the match interview yeah whilst holding a runner-up mm. trophy oh playing the guitar there for the spring yes and he had some choice words to say about Novak Djokovic Obviously, it's hard to see somebody speak when they've just lost a final. There's a second one he's lost to Djokovic, this time even more emphatically than the first one in Roland Garros. You've, you can only be complimentary, really. I mean, he was just beaten by the better player. He was aware that he was the better player. He tried his best. It wasn't good enough. What more can he really say? And I know that and Djokovic said some nice, kind words like, you'll be in more slam finals and everybody cheers and all that. It's just like a few niceties. But the main thing that Sissipas said was the next bit. No, it's not that bit. <laughs> That's Djokovic's it is. bit. Oh, <laughs> where is it? That's the one I was <laughs> asking for earlier. There yeah, that one. <laughs> Tell <laughs> so me. you do have the one I had. But anyway, we got there in the end. So this is it. And this is what he had to say. He said, he is the greatest that has ever held a tennis racket. So before this moment, he was saying, I think he said something along the lines of, he's one of the he's one of the best to ever hold a racket. Yeah. And then all the crowd were like making a lot of noise. And then he was sort of smiling. And he was like, okay. Because he didn't actually say he was the greatest. So then he then repeated. It was like, he's the greatest holder. And everyone was like, yeah. And then it, the, the camera goes to Djokovic. And he has like, he goes. Little smile, <laughs> wasn't it? He does like the very weird <laughs> smile. Like he didn't want to laugh or smile. But he it couldn't like... hold it in. It, it was, was like one of them smiles that's like bursting from the seams. It was that contentment that just suddenly came out. This warm glow just came yeah. over his and face. And then he just it like, was... oh, quick, everyone's looking at me. Stop. And then he's went yeah. like normal face again. It's it was quite like... funny. He should have just nodded. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> it was, well, very complimentary. But how can you not be complimentary to someone who's won 22 Grand Slams and beating you that convincingly in a slam final? Yeah. Would he be no, I, I really liked what Steph had to do as well, had to say in the interview. Yeah. Because he was focusing all of his um, questions on Djokovic, just admiring his greatness and how good he was and how he loves playing Novak Djokovic because he brings out the best level in him. He doesn't look at it as, oh, no, I've got to play him again. It's like, this is a challenge which I will one day overcome. Yeah. He still believes he can win a Grand Slam. He still believes he can be a future world number one tennis player. And all it's done is show him where the top of the mountain is. And I tell you what, it's a big, it's a bit of a peak to get there, but he knows what he needs to do to get there. It's just about trying to put it all together. He certainly works hard. He certainly has the game. He has a massive heart. And as Djokovic would say, he's a very interesting guy. This is weird. I know when he said that as well, he's just like, he's one of the most interesting people on tour. He's very interesting. I think and my that's... translation of Steph being interesting is just he's a bit different. Like you ask him a question in the press room and it takes him 30 seconds to reply. He has come out many times and said he doesn't really get on with any other tennis players because no one's like him. He's not the, he's very spiritual. He's a character. He's unique. He's creative as well. That's he the is a thing. creative. Yeah. That's the thing that, that's what I like about him. He, he he's well into his uh, video editing and his like cameraman like style work with like just vlogging, that type of stuff. He, yeah, I, th I think I sometimes forget how young Sissipas is because 
He's six four. He looks he looks older than he does. He's been around for a while and he plays. He's a powerful guy at such a high level. Yeah. People were saying maybe he might be able to outpower Djokovic in this match. Sometimes he did. But he can't. He just simply can't. He can every now and then on the odd shot, but over a duration of a best of five match, he's just not quite there yet against the top players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Milan saying... uh... Didn't Sispas release an album? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, did he? Uh, well, we've got Matthew yeah, he saying... Yeah, there was some. There was definitely some some music. So it's, uh, he jumps off cliffs in Monaco. Well, it's just nice to be in Monaco, I think, for starters. Uh, I know that one of my friends... Was that before or after the match, he jumped off the cliff? Well, if you've seen the music video, he's, in the, uh, he's doing that in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that, but there you go. I was going to say... The guy who filmed my England music video was in before the pandemic started. I was hanging out with him. wasn't even filming Ferraris and stuff like because they knew the same influencer out there. So they got to meet out there in Monaco. It's quite interesting just seeing them filming uh, fast cars together, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to this one. I thought was quite a nice touch from Lacoste. I mean, they've brought out the the twenty two. What did you call this? Like a, a jacket or like yeah, a sports jacket? Ja- then. Sports jacket? It's a jacket. Well, okay. Let's just call it a jacket. Is that a special... sport? It is a jacket. Look, it's a special jacket. Right. Lacoste even called it a special jacket. Special jacket. All right. We'll go with special jacket. I'm only wearing cardigans. Do you know why it's special? <laughs> if, it doesn't have, if it doesn't have buttons. Why is it special, then? Ben? Well, I think it's because it has this little number written on the side here. Uh, It's got a special little glowy number 22. And this is another little topic I want to talk about because there's been a bit of heat on social media, like there always is. What do you make of this? Do you think it's bad for players to preemptively make some kind of attire Mm. before they've won something with the number of what? Because let's be honest, that jacket jacket was still waiting there if he lost. He didn't obviously ask for it to be made. They made it for him. Bear in mind all of the... But what's your views on preemptively making something with a number before you've even done that success? Well, I'm the best person to ask. It is a very nerve-wracking time making something with no knowledge if it's actually going to come true. And the worst thing for me about writing the song, I wrote all of these great lyrics about Australia and him getting number 10 and anything that... The stuff that related to last year. If he doesn't win... That doesn't mean anything anymore. All of that just goes to to dust. And the same with this. What do you do with it? Do, do you hold on to it until he wins the twenty two, or do you, is does it? Is there another design that they'd probably want to give? That's yeah, it'd probably be roster? another design. I think it becomes no good then. Yeah, but, but all of his family had number ten tops on as well. Yeah, I know. And all of all of his box. So that's interesting as well. They all had it all made up ready, and it could have. Potentially, the thing is, Federer's done this before a match before, yep. I think, with his shoes, was it? And Nadal so, yeah. had one for 21 after Australia as well. I think I think it's something what happens nowadays in sport. Well, the sponsors across are the board. obviously be doing that. And this, they're, the t- they're desperate. They just make more money off it. I mean, this has already been launched, hasn't it, from Lacoste. Well, so people can well, buy this jacket now. I don't think no, it's cheap. There are only 22 pieces available worldwide oh, really? that is what's so special about this jacket i wonder jacket. how much each one is then probably a few thousand pounds maybe tens of thousands i would have thought you never know but yeah one if you want million to get your dollars 
Hmm. <laughs> One gazillion. No. <laughs> Gosh, that's interesting. I didn't know there was only 22 pieces. Just shows what? I can't even read as well. My predictions are bad and I can't read English. What they should do with this, I don't know if they have done it or oh, not. And you're saying it's 250 euro. that would be be the best one yeah exactly yeah they're already sold out but i mean if there's only 22 at 250 you must have been like do you know like one of them waiting lists where there's like say ten thousand people on there and then it's like a raffle at that point where just some random name gets selected then you can buy it i know they do it with yeezys and other sort of brands this would have been my idea for it and i know it sort of makes it like an elitist thing maybe they auction all of them and then all of the money goes to the Novak Djokovic foundation something like that would have been a real yeah. nice touch for his 22nd one and that would have helped a lot of people as well and rather than yeah but just okay the, a... the bad thing about doing that is ultimately the jackets then end up with just only the rich people who are going to spend thousands of pounds how about I know that money then goes to charity so it's not that bad for somebody who's poor I know what you mean it's not that bad I don't know <laughs> But there's 20, there's 22 crazy. lucky people who have this jacket, and I'm sure if they put it on eBay, they could sell it for a lot more than 250 euros. I'm going to be searching the local charity shop. Well, they're they all the same size. one of these in the charity shop. Well, once if they're all, like, well, they're all XL or something. I'm like, well, you probably get hang... to customize whatever size you want. Maybe I don't know, but there's probably some kid who's just gone running down the football pitch with it on. He's like, "Wait, well, got my new jacket? <laughs> Sliding all the mud." Oh, <laughs> It tore it, comes back with it, like just come through a hedge. Yeah, great. Anyway, let's move on. I think we spoke enough about the jacket. The last one. And this one, this chart is a joke. Domination in a sport is not supposed to last this long. And we know the big three. I was thinking you've heard of them. Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. And these are all the men's Grand Slam uh, winners since 2004. And we've got the colours there. We've got green for Federer, red for Nadal, and blue for Novak Djokovic. And not that dominant, though, is it? There's loads of others of one slams. I just, I can't believe it. I don't think we'll ever see something like it again. It's like, where's Wally, isn't it? Like, oh, oh, there's Wawrinka. Oh, look, uh, there's a Chilich. Oh, there's... <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, not applicable just... one no, no, as many. You... <laughs> Not applicable is one more than Steph. Oh. <laughs> no, too soon. But terrible. Yeah, it's just it is remarkable looking at this graphic. It just does not seem real. You you would think that there's only ever five people who enter a slam every year. Yeah. You don't realise that the pool of players in a grand slam. You've got 128 players. You've then got loads of people who try and qualify. And you've got players playing week in, week out in challenges across the world to try and get enough points in the ATP Tour to build their ranking up so they can get into a Grand Slam. This is open to everyone in, in a way. Well, it's not open to everyone because you still need to be a good tennis player, but <laughs> it's still open. It's an open tournament in which three players only win it. It's just remarkable. And to do it, you don't just win one off. It's not a one-off match. You have to win a tournament. You have to win seven consecutive matches. It's I not like normal, that. Ben, to have these players winning all this amount of time. We'll never see it again after these three. Isn't it like interesting to just see the the way the colour pattern works as well? Anybody who's just sort of only listening, um, you've got obviously 04 to 07, and it's just 
sort of green across the board apart from uh, Roland Garros, <laughs> where it's Nadal. And then we go down, and then the left column for Australia is just all blue, and the right column for French Open is all red, pretty much. And then Federer is just dotted in between a few of these ones. Not so much, though. If we go down to, well, past 2011, Federer's name becomes a little bit thin yeah. on the ground there. And we get a few more people. It becomes people. a bit Murray. Yeah, Murray jumping in there. <laughs> but Murray would have hoped he would have probably got a few more if Chilich Federer got one. becomes a little bit like a Murray post-2010. And then look at the most, <laughs> most recent ones we've got there. And we can see the US Open. It has been generating yeah. new Grand Slam winners there. Team Medvedev Alcaraz. Is it going to yeah. be another one this year? It's very strange that that happens at the US Open, but that's the way it's been. So Jamie enters with a super chat saying Alcaraz should be targeting six US Opens. Seems to be a... the Open Slam, yeah. so why not? Well, when you can see there, since 2011, Djokovic and Nadal have both won it the exact same amount of times as well, which pretty even playing field, you'd think there. And then in the last three years, obviously... Just new Grand Slam champions. And obviously, we had that on the women's side as Look well. Look 2023 started. Djokovic first name. <laughs> Just making the blue. Continue I can't believe to... there was an idiot somewhere who predicted <laughs> neither of the Dow or Djokovic going to win a Grand Slam. When you look at this, it just goes to show how crazy and out there that prediction is and how wrong it is. Some would say stupid. <laughs> the thing is, though, we know how good tennis players are and when you watch people playing tennis even the top 50 players they're incredible that's the thing you look at these players you think they're playing you see them live you think god they could play beat anybody no and then you've got someone like Nadal Djokovic you're just nowhere near that level that they go up so I mean, much you've got to look at Roland Garros now and say it's between Nadal and Djokovic and you've got to go to Wimbledon and say it's between Djokovic and Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> and then the US Open was between anyone. Well, Djokovic might not be allowed in. That's the one saving grace, I think, for everybody else is Djokovic can't play Nadal. potentially at the moment. Well, Rafa will probably be aiming for the US Open if Djokovic yeah. won't be there. Yeah, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there. That is yeah. our summary of the Australian Open and Novak Djokovic's success. We will do something similar for Adina Sabalenka, uh, maybe tomorrow. Um, but yeah, not really much more to say about Novak Djokovic. I think we've said everything there can be. He is now number one in the world. 10 Australian Opens, 22 Grand Slams. Next slam on the calendar is Roland Garros with him and Rafa going for 23. If you don't want to watch that, then you I don't know what you're doing with your life, to be honest. Because that oh. is going to be the pinnacle of the sport. If they can meet in a final, I think the world stops. It I think will... there should be a bank holiday. I think it yes. is that intense where everyone should not be working. Everyone needs to book the day off work. They need to sit Sunday. down <laughs> and join us for Game to Love. Definitely. Um, no, and... I mean the Monday. Book the day off the Monday because you need to be up all night. And it, whatever happens, to celebrate in the streets. Watch the highlights. Just get involved in it. It would be a sporting Mardi event. <laughs> it would be the biggest sporting event of the century. Well, just think as well. It's a significant one as well because the next time they play each other, which I hope is at Roland Garros, it will be the 60th time that they will have met in a competitive match. It doesn't get bigger, does it? 60 times that they've played each other. 
we can't end on 59. Do you know that? That I I won't be able to sleep if we have 59. That odd number. We need to round it up. They must play at least once more at a slam. That's all I'm saying. And I'm hoping Rafa gets back fit soon so we get to see more of that epic tennis at Roland Garros. Yeah, exactly that. Well done to the Joker. Go check out the song if you haven't seen it already. And that's what Jokers do. Yes, it's pinned in the live chat. Go check that out. I want to say a quick shout out because we haven't said it yet. Player Roulette was won by Lynette from our Patreon. So well done to Lynette. You got Novak Djokovic in the draw. There will be a prize for you. So make sure to reach out to us either on Patreon or on Discord and we will get that organized for you. Um, you had the, the luck of the draw when the, the roulette wheel span when Novak Djokovic came out next to your name, I think everybody was sort of like, Lynette. That was the name what people wanted. (laughs) And Lynette is the lucky patron winner who won the first player roulette. There will be some uh, merch as well, Ben, right? For Game to Love? Yes, there will be. Uh, Just keep your eyes peeled. I have, uh, well, I say I have. um, My fiance has been working on a nice design for uh, Nole. Big Nole fan as well, obviously, in this house. Uh, we've just been celebrating through the night, just designing stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's a great design. Celebrating Nole's 22nd slam. Keep your eyes peeled on the channel, and we will get some posted on the community, and we'll get some posted in the Discord as well. And you can, I know Gary is very keen to uh, to get himself some merch, so there will be some coming. Awesome. Stay tuned. Thanks for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.